The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one today, Tim Hudak is here, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. Mark Warner, international trade lawyer. Power Group Communications, Laura Babcock, also host of The O Show. Good morning to you all. And let's actually start with the paramedics. Now, our only source for this is the paramedics union, which obviously is going to have an agenda. But they say this business of a code red, which is when they insist there are no ambulances available anymore for an emergency call. They don't sound the alarm every time it happens, because if they did, it would be every single day. Tim Hudak, what do you make of that? So it's an effective communication strategy. It oh, certainly yeah. has cut through. And, and whenever I hear Code Red, I think it's Star Trek and that red alert song blaring, right? <laughs> so it catches my attention. But <laughs> by the way, I, I think this is irresponsible, right? What, like when you hear Code Red, the average citizen, they're going to think of either Star Trek or like a, a Koji here in the hospital. They'll think of some kind of official government pronouncement uh, as well. So should a union say they need some more support, more workers, a raise, uh, you know, fill your boots, of course. But I think when you're going out in public and declaring code red, which people will identify with some sort of government or hospital level call, I think it's irresponsible and they should get out of that lane. Yeah, and Mark Warner, what Tim Hudak's uh, nailing here is that this code red terminology is an invention of the union. Now, it may describe a real situation, but it is not something that actually exists, you know, like that the province said, you got to declare code red when this happens. Yeah, but I don't think that really bothers me. I mean, I think uh, who cares? I mean, nobody owns what you can you can describe things. We're not we're not really that it's a government run kind of a country yet. So this is one case where I'd say, um, you know, the unions are right. I mean, I, I, I've had occasion in the last few months to have to call ambulances for family members, and so you know, perhaps this is a bit uh, closer to me. I, I don't know what a real delay should look like or would look like. Uh, I do know that after you call and people are asking you, well, how long did this occur? How long did that occur? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> I was yeah. on hold for a little bit. Um, and then I had to hold. So, so, so um, no, I think it's a putting, pointing to a problem. And I think it's important to point to problems and have honest discussions and open discussions about it. But I think that's where the focus should be, not on, on you know, who owns the phrase code red. <laughs> well, Laura Babcock, I mean, I, I would agree. It seems that we talk about this business of a possible ambulance and paramedic shortage every, you know, month or two. And I don't know if there's any urgency to the file at City Hall or at the province. Well, this certainly helps make it more urgent. And actually, Code Red in Hamilton vernacular is about a series on the incredible poverty in some of our wards that the Hamilton Spectator did called the Code Red. So, I mean, it means different things to different people. But the message that got through, that broke through all the noise, was the fact that, you know, in 2021, there was a thousand times, over a thousand times, when if you called for an ambulance, one wasn't available. And I think that that's shocking. That should shock everyone listening who counts on our healthcare system, who pays their taxes to think, wow, there might actually be a time where I think I'm going to be saved from that stroke that I'm having. You know how they teach our kids in school to call 911 immediately if you see your parents stroking. Uh, you know, what happens then? So this is a problem that has to be looked at. And, and you know, I saw some language around, oh, don't play the blame game between hospitals or ambulances or whatever. We know in Ontario that our health system is currently not very 
efficient. It's underfunded. You only have to drive by a hospital emergency ward to see the ambulances lining up waiting to offload. I've had to use an ambulance in the last couple of years when I hit my head and I was waiting outside, waiting in the hallway. I mean, we need to invest in our healthcare system and it goes all the way through to this issue with the paramedics and the ambulances. They just don't have enough staff. They don't have enough money. All right. I just had one yeah. thing, John, just a quick, quick look. The one thing I noticed, I, I, I hadn't realized until uh, recently that there is a, a user fee for when you get to, to use the ambulance Uber service to get to a hospital. And that, that surprised me a bit. So, so um, I don't know how that fits into it, but we are paying somebody, you know, you do get a bill from the hospital when you, when you get carted to buy an ambulance to the, uh, to the hospital and I, that, I don't know if that needs to be increased or it did surprise me a bit. And I was guess that for an emergency pay, transfer? Yes. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so I think when you, when you, when you see that, I guess the question that I have a little bit is, okay, where's that money going and who does it go to? And you know, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was, it was more money than I expected because we're always going on and on about how everything is free in our healthcare system and never sees me free when I go to use healthcare in Ontario, but that's a bigger thing. <laughs> okay. If I can add to just for a quick second, John, when we were in San Diego and needed an, an ambulance, we were told, you know, you've got health coverage to help you at the hospital, but you don't have it for the ambulance, which is going to cost a fortune. So the cops told us to take a cab when we needed it. And I also think that people need more awareness around 911. Are we jamming? up those requests? Do we call M for ambulances when we don't really need them? That's part of the public awareness on this. Hey, can I ask, Mark, how much the bill was? You know what? It wasn't a lot. As I said, it was just, I just surprised me there was one at all. And I went researching yeah. it on the internet. It was, I think it was $45. Okay. Yeah. I'm just checking because I've never had occasion to use an ambulance here. And I don't remember if we had to pay for ambulances back in the day for my mom in Montreal. Uh, let's move to something a little bit more soothing, one hopes. Um, City is apparently looking at moving the Thermé Spa to Exhibition Place. Thermé Spa is supposed to go at uh, Ontario Place. It's supposed to be built at Ontario Place, along with a parking garage. There's a great yawning space just across. And so for me, anyway, it seems like an elegant solution. Build something up at Exhibition Place to make it a destination and find something else a bit more nature-specific for Ontario Place. Place. But uh, Laura Babcock, what do you say? Amen. Oh my goodness. This, I mean, the opposition to this Thermé Spa at Ontario Place has so many facets to it. You've even seen recently, you know, some advertorial or whatever that piece was that came out in Toronto Life saying to the CEO, are you that young and fabulous because of your spa? I mean, they're, they're doing everything they can to try to turn this around, but they've lost the narrative. And the province said they'd give the city to the end of the year to work with this. And the city is going to come back, I think, on December 5th to council. Olivia Chow ran on this. She was very successful in the campaign and she seems to be doing well as mayor. Ford was talking about how great she was yesterday at the press conference around the MZOs. So maybe, just maybe, they have an elegant solution. Exhibition Place is a perfect spot for this kind of a thing. And Ontario Place never, ever was. It's some of the best real estate on a waterfront in all of North America. We can do beautiful things as the world-class city we always say we are. Uh, let's put the Thermé Spa somewhere else, anywhere else but Ontario Place. Tim Hood, it could be interesting if we could establish you know, whether people are against the spa or they're just against the spa at Ontario Place. Oh, I think I think most people don't care, you know, quite <laughs> frankly. And and if you're you're a pro spa, um, I don't think you, you care where it is. Look, I, I there's a disquieting amateurism. I feel well can always be there. I guess at City Hall for what is the fourth largest city in North America, but it, it feels like it's creeping. 
back in. This is a city councillor passing a motion to have somebody talk to the province of Ontario about this. Like, I, I'm in the school, just get on with it. The, the province, this is a flagship tourism development of nationwide significance to have this, this, the spa, the waterfront attraction, a new science centre. And I'm in the view that's just get on with it. That's the decision that was made after a significant amount of time where Ontario Place looked like a Scooby-Doo abandoned amusement park. <laughs> so let's just move forward for goodness sakes and get that project built. They're going to turn what could be a major tourism attraction into the old debates we had about subways. It meant nothing actually got built. Put the shovels in the ground. Okay, Mark Warner. Yeah, I mean, all these discussions about planning in Toronto always turn into great religious debates where people, whether it's bike lanes or whatever it is, or or, or subway, subway, subways. But, you know, I don't think the, the, the harbourfront, the waterfront of Toronto is so beautiful. When I look at what is it, Liberty Village out there that looks like something out of Star Trek or one of those 1970s space movies when, you, when you're driving along and you see it, and that's supposed to be the high point of uh, planning from the left in Toronto. So I think that people, there's a little more humility that's needed when we discuss some of these plans. It's not as if anything that's... I look at the monstrosity of Young and Eglinton area where they have the density. Again, that's the great model of density the left-wing planners of Toronto like to point to. What a, It's gross. So I think with a little bit more humility, I don't care whether it's an Ontario place or exhibition place. I share with, uh, I don't, I just literally don't care. So build something, build it nice. But seriously, I think for the record, the left has of building things in Toronto and planning them. I think really a lot more humility is required. I don't know how this is a left or right thing. I do appreciate there's a lot of left-wing politicians on city council, but this is an issue around, uh, you know, Ford, I think, put his foot in his mouth when he said a little while ago, oh, only Toronto, you know, those 1,200 people or 12,000, whatever it was, who came out to uh, public consultation on this, only Toronto cares. When he said that, uh, it got the rest of Ontario going, well, wait a sec, if this is really Ontario place and not Toronto. Didn't get me going. But we Didn't want? get me well, going. Okay, well, Mark, not, not, going. not much does. You know, you're very, you're very sanguine. Oh, uh, but this one does right and also the Thermae deal Ford government has a lack of trust right now in terms of how he's doing projects there's a lot about this that stinks and I think that let's let the city Olivia Chow who ran on this and who has a good relationship with Premier Ford let's put it at exhibition place and use Ontario place better let's plan better to make the city look better Mark we can do more than a spa well, we have a record, and the record's not very good. I point you to that Liberty Village monstrosity again, because I, I honestly... Future, the future. Olivia Town's future. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, so a column from Andrew Seal in the Globe and Mail, how the baby boomer exodus will imbalance the Canadian workplace. And he talks about the collective knowledge that will be withdrawn from the workplace. And... You know, proposes that maybe Generation X has been held back, so Generation X doesn't yet have its feet in order to take over from the boomers. I, I don't know how old Andrew Seal is. I think almost everybody on the panel is Gen X. I just find it a bit rich to suggest that workplaces are going to be impoverished by the final departure of the boomers. Mark Warner? I, 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 do, uh, I do share your view as, a, as I think a Gen X, although we've been redefined out of Gen X recently, I noticed, which is disconcerting to me. Once again, we get screwed. What, did anyway, we get reassigned? Um, I don't know. I'm a 64, and I always thought I was in because Copeland was 64, but now I'm really, people are saying that's not, which is weird, which I guess I, it's just another attack on Gen X. But look, I think there are some real <laughs> aspects to this. Right? I think there are some real aspects to this that uh, 
we I think the part that I link to is the part about immigration, which is that we know that we are we have an immigration system that's not bringing in people um, who will do these kind of jobs, like building subways, building infrastructure. We'll have delays. We're sort of going for all sorts of pointy-headed people who do computer science and digital graphics and all that stuff. And to the extent that we're losing people in that baby boom age in those sectors, we need to have a policy that looks at it more, you know, more broadly. I have lots of thoughts, John, about managing in the intergeneral racial workplace and how that fits in. But but the immigration strand and how that fits into that gap is kind of what, I, what I'd focus on this morning. Tim Hudak, you manage a work team. Um, so maybe you can bring some perspective to this. Do you buy what Andrew Seal is selling? No, I, I, I'm saying the boomers have been running the place for far too long. John, and part of Generation X, I say, time to move on and give us the keys. Look, they had a massive, uh, well, look at the influence, right? The huge education investment on social change, the anti-Vietnam War. And now today, what are they doing? Well, they got Donald Trump elected, for example. We're seeing lots of professional services take out retail to keep them young. They brought the scourge of pickleball upon us. John, I say it's time for them to move on and Gen X takes over. Laura Babcock, last word. I'm in violent agreement with Tim around pickleball, <laughs> but beyond that, listen, uh, I think Gen X are used, yes, of course, we're ready to go. If we have been underestimated or undervalued as a generation, well, all the more reason for us to strive. And as for the skilled trades point that Mark brought up, you know, my kids' generation are not being kind of tracked towards university the way that we certainly were as Gen Xers. They're looking at the trades as a viable option, so maybe there's a solution coming up in whatever Gen Z, Gen XYZ, I don't even know what they are. But I think that the next generation is going to help with that labor market issue. Thanks a lot for this lively discussion again. Tim Hudak, Mark Warner, and Laura Babcock. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.